Ted Fogarty, that I need to get you guys energized. So I'm going to ask you a question. If you love freedom, say yes. If you love freedom, say yes. What do you love? What do you love? Thank you. Hello, Okaboji. What a beautiful place. What a beautiful place. How many of you have lake houses? I'm jealous. I'm jealous. Although, on the way up here, I was reminded of something my Kung Fu teacher told me when I was a kid. He was talking about the Coyote Trail. Are you familiar with that? I wasn't either. I said, what's the Coyote Trail? And he said, have you ever seen a coyote run? I said, no, I haven't. He said, well, coyotes can't go in a straight line. They zigzag all over the place. How many of you felt like you were on the Coyote Trail when you were driving up here? zigzagging all over the place. I, I just about got busy. Um, I'm Oliver Bardwell with Islands for Freedom, co-founder of Iowa Stands United, author of The Way, A Small Book of Wisdom, and I want to talk to you about the ultimate freedom today. This freedom is more important than freedom of speech. It's more important than freedom of assembly or freedom of press or freedom of religion. It's the most important freedom. This is the freedom that is the spark that ignited the fire in leaders to fight for all of the other freedoms. And without it, great men and women wouldn't have had the courage or the desire to stand for freedom or to lead with liberty. They wouldn't have had the ability to inspire people to stand for freedom and liberty. And I'm going to tell you what it is in a minute. But first, I want to thank everyone that put this event on. It's so important. I want to thank the medical doctors who are risking their careers to save lives and to spread the truth. And I want to thank the legislators that came here tonight to, you know, help inspire us. So thank you very much and let's give them a round of applause. Check in with my whiteboard here. The ultimate freedom. So, know thyself, is what Socrates said. This above all, to thine own self be true, was Shakespeare. Carl Jung said, who looks outside dreams, who looks inside awakes. And it was Benjamin Franklin who said, there are three things that are extremely hard. Steel, a diamond, and to know oneself. The ultimate freedom is self-awareness, and these men all knew it. Self-awareness is a quality that all great and inspiring leaders of the world, and really the greatest organizations of the world have. 
They've developed it, they know who they are, and they know what drives them, and they lead from that place. How many of you are familiar with Simon Sinek's 2009 TED Talk, It Starts With Why? It's an incredible TED Talk, and it's been watched by almost 9 million people, and the reason it was so popular is because it's simple and fundamentally true. He even went on to build a brand about it. During the talk, he explained in simple terms that people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And what you do simply serves as proof as, as to what you believe. He didn't invent this, he just explained it in such a simple and profound way that it resonated with people. And I'm going to show you what he called the golden circle. Next time I'll have a PowerPoint. So the golden circle, this is the why. This is why we do things. This is the how, and this is the what. And I would say sometimes that the how we do things is just as important as what we do. Three weeks ago, my mother passed away, and I had the privilege of being with her through the transition of giving her eulogy. And during that time, I took a few weeks off to be with her, to plan her funeral, and to help her settle her worldly affairs. When I was pre preparing to write her eulogy, my sisters and I found this green notebook next to her chair that she liked to sit in. It wasn't a fancy notebook, it was just a spiral notebook. But there were some things in that notebook that were incredibly profound. She wrote, she wrote her favorite Bible verses, her favorite psalms, um, prayers. But I found this list, and this list was amazing to me. If you knew my mom, she was the most kind and incredible person you'd ever meet. But at the top of the list it said, what would you like to have or become? There were many things crossed off this list. She was 89 years old, and the list was from like 1996, so she had a long time to cross those things off. But there were four things that were highlighted that were the most important to her in life. I want to share those with you. Number one was, I want to become a person who has total inner peace, and I know she achieved that through her relationship with God. Number two was, I want to become a kind and loving person to other people. And that had three exclamation points. That was very important to her. The third one was, I want to have love and understanding for every person I meet. Not just the person, people that agree with me, not just you know people that I like, but every person I meet, she said. And the fourth was, I want to be the kind of person who makes people feel better by just being in my presence. And anyone who knew her knew that about her. Just being in her presence made us feel better. She truly embodied all of these qualities. She was the kind of person that really made you feel better by being in her presence. And her understanding and kindness didn't make her a pushover. She had a strong and unshakable morals and values. She raised eight children and 28 grandchildren. Um, once my brother and I were getting into trouble and she said, if you keep that up, I'm going to snatch you bald-headed. You can see how that turned out, right? Yeah, my brother looks much the same. We've been accused of being twins, so she wasn't a pushover. Now, she did have something else written in her journal that was important to me, that I thought was important, and I've been reflecting on it. 
She said, Judge not according to appearances. Each one of us has a divine self that is spiritual and perfect, that is the true Christ within. The real you, dwell upon that and realize this presence within yourself and everyone else. This is something my mom looked at every day. She had sitting right next to her in her beat up green notebook. Why would my mother want to understand every person she met? Why would she want to be the kind of person that makes people feel better just by being in her presence? Because she loved God and she saw Christ within all people. She knew her why and she led with it. And what a powerful why. When I was reading that, it reminded me of something Mother Teresa had said when she was asked, what are you doing in Calcutta? She said, I'm taking care of Christ in all of his distressed forms. I'm sure some of these doctors feel that way as well. Going through this transition with my mother, reading her notes, sitting at her bedside, and reflecting on the incredible and self-aware person that she was, made me reflect on my why for being in the freedom movement. If we want to be great leaders, and if we want to create positive change, if we want to protect all of our other freedoms and inspire others, like the great leaders before us, we have to have self-awareness. We have to know our why. I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna pick on somebody in the audience. Let me look around. How about Jim Carlin? Let's see what Jim Carlin's why is. Jim, how are you tonight? Doing great. Whoops. Let me ask you this. Why are you running for U.S. Senate? I love children and I want to protect their freedom. And, and why, why is that so important? Why do you love children and want to protect their freedom? I think God put that inside me. I, I've got three beautiful grandkids and uh, uh, I believe in freedom, but they do own me. They own you, okay. So, love, love of your children. Absolutely. So I interviewed you. I'm cheating. I interviewed him twice on the Freedom Factor. Um, what are the other loves that are important to you? Love of God. Okay. Love of my wife. Family. Yeah. Love of my neighbor. And when I interviewed you, you said love of country. I do love this country very much. So would it be safe to say that your driving force is love? I think that's fair. Yeah. So how many of you can get behind a candidate whose driving force is love? Right? He knows that. So I posted that question on Facebook and I got a lot of interesting, interesting answers. So one of our members, Shelly, she had this, a similar response. Hers was love of country, love of family, and love of God. But it was still, it was still love. And my story is similar. You know, I got into this movement because I didn't want my kids to have to wear masks at school. I thought it was absurd for them to be wearing masks at basketball practice. And it was love was the driving force, love of family that got me into this movement. There are many other reasons, but when I drilled down I found that love was the reason, the main reason, my why, for being in this movement. 
So sometimes it's hard to remember our why. You know, it's it's easy to love our family, but it's normally easy to love our family. How many of you have experienced division in your family and with your friends because of your beliefs around COVID and masks and and shots and politics? Just raise your hand, yeah. Yeah, lots of us, lots of us. And it's it's not easy, but but I think it would suffice to say that if we practice self-awareness and lead with our why, that we can mend those relationships and inspire others to do, do the same. I mean, what's happening is we're taking a sledgehammer and we're pounding the what into our family and friends. But if we remember our why, it's easier to enter those conversations and have a better outcome. I want to share this one last story with you real quick about one of my heroes, Martin Luther King Jr. And there's Barb, but I cut some of it out, so. Hold on. Mm. Okay, uh, this is how Simon Sinek ended his TED Talk with a similar story, but it's incredible. So in the summer of 1963, 250,000 people showed up on the mall in Washington to hear Dr. King speak. They sent out no invitations. There was no website to check the date. He didn't set up a Facebook event. No one tweeted it. So how did he do that? Well, Dr. King wasn't the only man in America who was a great orator. He wasn't the only man in America who suffered in pre-civil rights America. In fact, not all of his ideas were great, but he had a gift. He didn't go around telling people what needed to change in America. He went around and told people what he believed. I believe, I believe, I believe, he told people. People who believed what he believed took to his cause. And they made it their own and they told other people. And some of those people created structures to get the word out to even more people. And lo and behold, 250,000 people showed up on the right day at the right time to hear him speak. How many of them showed up for him? Zero. They showed up for themselves. It's what they believed about America that got them to travel in a bus for eight hours to stand in the sun in Washington in the middle of August. It's what they believed. It wasn't about black versus white. 25% of the audience was white. Dr. King believed that there were two types of laws in this world. Those that are made by a higher authority and those that are made by man. Not until all the laws that are made by man are consistent with the laws that are made by the higher authority will we live in a just world. It just so happens that the civil rights movement was the perfect thing to help him bring his cause to life. We followed him, not for him, but for ourselves. By the way, he gave the I have a dream speech, not the I have a plan speech. I listen to politicians now with their comprehensive 12 point plans, they're not inspiring anybody. There are leaders and there are those who lead. Leaders hold a position of authority, but those who lead inspire us. Whether they're individuals or organizations, we follow those who lead not because we have to, but because we want to. We follow those who lead not for them, but for ourselves. It's those who have attained the freedom of self-awareness 
and start with why that have the ability to inspire those around them. Everyone in this room is a leader, by the way, or the potential leader, whether it's at a national level, a state level, or a local level, or most importantly, at a family level. After all, you took the time out of your busy schedule on Friday night to be here. Many of you braved the Coyote Trail to get here. <laughs> so you're all leaders in my book. When we leave here tonight, I think it's important that we ponder the following questions. Do we want to be the kind of leaders who are so caught up in what we do that we forget who we are and why we are doing it? Or do we want to be the kind of leaders who are able to exercise the ultimate freedom of self-awareness? Leaders who are able to inspire those around them because they lead from their why. And she's going to get me here in a second. So. <laughs> Um, let's see, so I'll be back at my table, come buy a book, sign up for our mailing list. I love you guys. Um, thank you for asking me to come out and speak, Dr. He is a black belt, so I am keeping my distance on the attack. <laughs> <laughs>